So here's what happened is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I am your host, Lanisha, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host. (laughs) (laughs) And we also have a special guest today. Carolyn, would you like to introduce our special guest? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Today we are joined by director and producer Jennifer Holness to discuss her documentary, Subjects of Desire, a film which touches on the on topics such as colorism, the the beauty standards, and stigmatization of Black women in um, North America and around the world. And we'll get into her film, which is currently, as we're recording, um, screening at the Hot Docs Film Festival and previously showed at the South by Southwest Film Festival uh, we're in April, so that would have been February. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Jennifer. <laughs> Hi there, everyone. Well, no, thank you for inviting me for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. I uh, I'm a writer, a producer, a director, and I did all that on the film. But um, I haven't really directed a lot, and um, I was really for, for telling this story, this uh, you know about black women and beauty and the power behind beauty. I was like, no, 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 I really want to, um, I wanted to tell the story on all three fronts, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, so here you have it. And when we got into South by, we had sent in um, a fine cut, a, a very close fine cut. And, but I actually thought we wouldn't get in because, you know, it's not even a locked picture and we did. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really enjoyed South by, it was a great experience, but I literally feel like I finished the film three days before and like, I didn't have a poster because I had like I was trying to finish the film and I didn't have a poster and you know I didn't have a trail I didn't have a trailer but now I have all those things for hot dogs. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, you I wouldn't have, I mean I would not have been able to tell that you finished that three days before we like it premiered because I was just like this 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 is something like I I will say like one of my first impressions after I watched it because then I messaged I think I messaged Carolyn another one of our friends Kate she was also covering from our website um and I just like yo this one made me think <laughs> it just like and I wrote I wrote the review for it on um on our website but why though where our um, podcast is all, uh, in the network on and I just couldn't think of any other words to describe it, but besides, you know, thought provoking because I just feel like you did a tremendous job putting this together. So I'm just even more, I'm even more impressed that you finished three days before the festival <laughs> and had it to a point where you could show it to people because that's amazing. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, no, you yeah, gave us a nice review. I really, I was like, yeah, man. I'm, uh, and then when you requested to, to do this conversation, I was like, yeah, she gets my phone. She gets my phone. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it, I'm, I always feel like, you know, when you, I feel like I write too much, but then I'm like, no, nah, I have to speak about all of this. I have to get all my thoughts out about this film right now, but thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, saying that you, that you finished it just a few days before the festival is super impressive and also not uncommon. Like, I know that happens with quite a bit, um, quite often with film festivals. And I think it, 
kind of shows the passion of filmmakers like yourself where you're trying to make sure that you get everything you want to get into these films and that all of the important bits are added in and like, yeah there's i'm sure there's footage that's left on the cutting room floor and segments of interviews that you weren't able to capture but what you were able to put into it is what matters so yeah three days mm -hmm. the point of the matter is that you got it done and you and you finished it and it was able to be seen like by people at, like myself and anisha because like as black women like this kind of documentary is very important and just the name alone i think is to use the term provocative but it does mm -hmm. say so much because it like you can use the word desire to it can have different connotations depending on the on the context so could you talk a little bit first about the about just the name of it because it carries i think so much weight especially with the subject of black femininity and black beauty and black um i i, I would say also self-confidence because that is one of the top the issues that is discussed a lot in the film mm -hmm. uh, absolutely i mean i think i think the part of it was that um um i th the idea of desirability is something that i think as black women we've all had to contemplate and i think even contemplate because i think that a lot of the ways in which the media has tried to portray us is 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 that um we're that des that desirability is something that's not necessarily associated or connected to black women in in a in a in a really um mm -hmm. powerful way so for example it's not in the film but one of the some of the research i did was about the fact that like um there was stuff saying that black women on dating sites were like the least were least likely to be um um selected or you know and and when they and when they did it was often in these fetishized ways or why people were really fetishizing mm -hmm. them and, and so forth so the question of desirability is one i think that um as a black woman i've grappled with um in terms of feeling that i was perfectly desirable but that maybe the world didn't necessarily see that right mm -hmm. and so so that was an important part of the the, the the um the title and then subjects also um here here's the thing we have grown up being told that the objectification of women is in fact uh something that is um detrimental to us and and, and it in fact is the objectification mm -hmm. of women but here's the thing in media the object has often been a white woman it's something to chase to 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 covet to 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 seek and so even in this context we're the uh, the objectification of black women uh, you know we it hasn't been on the same it's not the same plane white women are objects right so in some ways i made the title subjects because i want to say we are actually we are now telling our own stories so we're the subject here we don't need to be the objects but um but let's look at desirability and let's understand why the narrative around black women have not been one that we uh um that we that reflects our true sense our true feelings true who we are mm -hmm. wow. i think for me also it's not only about 
desirability from people and you know like society but also i think for ourselves because the way i was saying it is that we have to desire ourselves and accept ourselves too yeah, and yeah. i think that that's to me the biggest issue with regards to all the way we, that we're stigmatized like we're told that we have to meet these beauty these beauty standards of people who aren't even us whether they're it can be white we can also include asian um people who are other people of color and they're telling us what they want us to look like. And then we stop desiring ourselves. We stop desiring who we are as not only women, but who we are as black people. And we start to like hate everything about ourselves. I'm here touching my hair, but that's one of the big, one of the biggest things that we are mm -hmm. taught to, to dislike about ourselves. So when you talk about desirability, it's about, I think not only desiring ourselves like as women, but just as individuals as well. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really like how you kind of like show that conversation ha kind of unfold naturally. Like you do these like round, not round table, but I, I distinctly remember there's the discussion with the young girls um, have talking about like, when was the first time that like you felt like you didn't want to be black or something I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines. And it was just like, it really took me a minute to be like, whoa, did I like, did I have one of those moments that I did have to like reflect on it? Cause I think there's been a time where like, as young black women like growing up or like black I mean black women of any age I don't know you know maybe at some point in their life they've probably had a time where they're just like they are society has made them to feel like you're not pretty the way you are and you're not desirable the way you are so no one will ever find you desirable with your you know with your nappy kinky hair or this or that and it's just like when having when you hear those people like the young girls having those conversations it's just like man it almost like made me feel like if I could just go back to young me and give myself the biggest hug because it's not that I ever felt like I was ugly as a child or undesirable but I do feel like like most young black girls I probably had that moment where it's like why won't my hair just cooperate with me why won't my why 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 don't I look good in this dress like this person why can't I wear that skirt to school like that girl wore the skirt to school and it's like it's because you're not built the same way as them and th th that does not mean you're lesser than them and it's just like I loved hearing that conversation between the girls because it's just like it's really powerful I think having that display of like girlhood and having that captured in that way because it just felt so raw and authentic Oh, thank you. I mean, here's the thing. So two of the two of the five girls are my daughters. So oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so they inspired me a lot. I mean, I wanted to tell the story because here's the thing, and maybe it's different in Canada than it is in the US, but we are we are raised very, very connected to uh, American culture because there really isn't a black Canadian culture other than the Caribbean one. And so I also feel like mm -hmm. black folks in Canada are a combination of this Caribbean and American like this is this combination of that and so so here's the thing most of the kids because there's only one million black people in Canada to begin with so a lot mm -hmm. of young people they grew up surrounded by white kids and white girls and white boys and you know you're you know and then there's all that Disney stuff that we grew up with and Hannah Montana and all this kind of stuff that these mm -hmm. kids are ingesting and they're not the center of the narrative these young black girls so it, it is inevitable it is inevitable in Canada growing up as a black girl and I think almost anywhere in the world where at some point you are feeling like I, I you know I'm not as 
I'm not loving this, this black shell, this gorgeous, you know, this almost, you know, this perfect blackness that is me. And mm -hmm. I wanted, and, and how I knew that was when I was growing up, I had like really like, there was no makeup that fit me. There was no, my, you know, my mom didn't even know how to do my hair. Like it was mm -hmm. like thinner to the, to the shop to get our hair permed or pressed. There was, but there was no other options, you know? And so growing up feeling like outside of the, you know, the dominant culture, it was definitely a thing for me. But by the time I got to university, I have to say, I, I really came into my own and felt good about what all of this was you know mm -hmm. and is and um and then to have three daughters and to start to hear them talking and you realize they're going through the same stuff i went through like so many years ago and but wait a minute we they've got you know they've got lupita they've got beyonce they've got rihanna so what's going on why are they still having these feelings and so mm -hmm. so i realized that there is something deeper you know it's not just a matter of putting um amazing black celebrities out there mm -hmm. um if the narratives themselves don't and haven't changed so the, the the narratives what i mean is like these stereotypes these narratives that are how we are being perceived or pushed out. These are the, you know, even sometimes in the black community. So the Mammy, mm -hmm. the Jezebel, the Sapphire, these narratives that that um, um, fetishize and twist how we really are and who we are, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That are that so permeate the culture that some of us don't even know that that's how we're we're um, being perceived or perceiving ourselves. I mean, think about some of the shows you laughed at. I mean, I gotta tell you, I was thinking about when I was a kid, we used to watch um, Sanford and Son and mm -hmm. Aunt Esther, mm -hmm. okay? And you know, like the angry black woman who is hysterical, I, you know, I laughed like my, you know, my butt off when I was a kid at Sanford and Son, but I didn't really think about Aunt Esther, a woman who had desires, had wants and needs, and how none of that was ever explored. And then, mm -hmm. you know, moving forward, like so, so narrative after narrative, even present day narratives still perpetuating these stereotypes about us. Yeah. And so going back to the young girls, <laughs> the thing is that I was surprised that they were still experiencing some of those things. And mm -hmm. I wanted them to just speak their truth. I wanted them to, to be heard. And I wanted people to know that, uh-uh, we, 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 we are having some problems and it's because of the larger society is telling us stuff about ourselves that, aren't, that is not in fact true. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. um, you, like you mentioned that like I'm in Canada too. Like we both live in Toronto, and I'm also West Indian. I grew up in Barbados, and I moved. I moved here at the age of 29, and was it 29 or 26? 29. <laughs> um, and the thing is, is that people are always surprised when I tell them back home in the Caribbean, we still face these kind of same stigmatizations that people are thinking. But like the society is predominantly black. Yes. But when you go into workplaces where like the owners or the managers and whoever's in charge is white you still face these same kind of stigmatizations from them when there's a lot of the tv shows that we're watching are american or british like we're still seeing the same stereotypes that we're that we're seeing and like we see we should we should be able to differentiate the the differences and say oh but i have these positive representations 
in my real life and my mom my aunt my 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 teachers or whoever but when you're watching the tv like that does influence us but regardless of if we're growing up in a predominantly black society um or not and then coming to canada like you as you said it is canada is this weird amalgamation especially in the black community of of caribbean and american and, and then like if depending on where you are like um black uh, um african enclaves and like it's this weird mix but then it says like when i was watching the documentary like there's a like a lot of it takes place at the rehearsals for a beauty pageant and as i was watching i was thinking is there any beauty pageant for canadian for young canadian black girls especially for those in toronto and i drew a complete blank and i was thinking there there's nothing for them there's nothing for these young girls we don't have a Miss Black Toronto, you know, just like to say like where like, a space where these young girls can not only be able to talk freely about the struggles that they're having, but also but be affirmed by other black women who grew up and had the same fears and the same doubts and can inspire them. So like when watching the documentary, I think it was very important to show the, the importance of these patterns because I myself can say that I did have I guess you could say prejudices about things like debutante balls and pageants, especially black pageants. I'm like, cause you know, we say, why do, why do black people want to have the same things that white people have? Because it's just like, you know, as you said earlier, objectification, but I'm like, no, watching this documentary, it's like, it's about being affirmed by other black women. It's about, it's about being in a space where you feel safe to be who you are as a black woman, as a young black girl. And like, we do need those spaces because like mm -hmm. outside of them, we're being told that we're not beautiful enough. We're not. We're told that we're told that our hair is not suitable and pro professional for work. We're being told at school that you know we have to dress a certain way. We're being told by the law that our before like the Crown Act was um, was made law that our that our just our the hair going out of our head was not you know was was not suitable for for certain environments and like we do need these kind of spaces and I think the film is very important where it shows the relevance of that and like for people like me who would have had doubts or like prejudices or didn't fully understand I think that's very important and then like when you you, you talked about the mammy and the Jezebel and the sapphire like all of these stereotypes I've seen in West Indian productions like stage plays or tv shows or films I've seen these same exact stereotypes in West Indian and Caribbean and Beijing productions. So it's like, we still take it in and we're we still taking the, the North American influences, which when you look at the, when you trace it back, it's all influenced by slavery and white supremacy. And it's just like, we're enacting these, these harmful things on ourselves and without even realizing it. I growing up, I didn't realize that the things that I would have been seeing on TV and even like in our culture, um, like for crop people, we have like, um, we have like, you know, like the, like John Canoe and those kind of things like you have like these representation of black women with like these huge butts and then I realized when I got older I'm like oh wait she's this is a caricature of I think it's Seiji Bartholomew I, yes, I, yes. I wrong. Yes, Barton. yeah yeah yes. and it's yeah. like that's there that's a caricature of that character and like we in, we put it into our West Indian culture we put it in we don't even know it well, first of all, did you know the bustle, like the European, the fashion where Europeans had it, that that was based on her body. She took Europe by storm, 
they'd never seen anything like it she was like in a zoo essentially where she was brought mm -hmm. around like a circus. you know back then they especially they had this circus thing they're really obsessed with and um and um it was partly sexualized and where she was sitting in a, in a cage opening her legs and all these kinds of things and even there were situations where um there was um sexualized violence against her but he but she was so strange and weird that they the the, the but uh, but different that an entire fashion was shaped out of her butt but here's the thing the harmfulness of this kind of stuff Sarah Barton, this is her body but now mm -hmm. we are in you know the 2020s and there are women that are putting on these butts and they're being glorified in some ways and but when it's been historically on black women it was seen as strange and odd and ugly and now it's like it's sexy and this is the so it's so so these are things that we have to understand and even like the, the mammy you know it's very interesting because what i was trying to point out is like things like this history of being written into narratives of mm -hmm. being this caregiver the expectations when black women when when the war was over that black women then went into the homes and were taking care of white women continuing that legacy so here you mm -hmm. are you go into a space and in a corporate space and you have an idea and your idea is fantastic and here's the thing but if you're not taking care of and caring for and emoting a certain energy then you're angry you're you know you are someone who is dangerous because the black woman i'm comfortable with is the one that is going to say come here dear and and then when i when i when, I, when they look at my stuff and they say oh i really like that let me just take that let me take that idea let me take that thing you're like oh, okay so if, if you if, when you don't when you don't find that that caregiving easy going mammy who might be by the way sassy because you know mammy can be sassy she can be sassy but she's gonna always take care of you child you know mm -hmm. so when you when you when you come across the, the black lady who's like or the black woman or girl is like i'm sorry no people are like terrified they're like oh my god i can't deal with her do you see how she is so these things are so ingrained in mm -hmm. how we see each other again also darker complected women are perceived as more angry for some reason uh, why right <laughs> you know like these kinds of things and and you know and even you know my I have daughters and we talk about sexuality and i remember a time when the belly shirts and the this and the you know and the titties and all this kind of stuff and i said to them girls listen you know you don't need to show your whole self to be loved right and um and they were like no it's not that's not what it is but then as they're getting older they're really starting to understand that um that there there's even um there's a extreme like for for black girls we're pushed to this extreme sexuality and and listen you can be sexual sexualized and all that kind of stuff but it has to be at your own pace it shouldn't be someone telling you that that's what a cool beautiful black woman because you know it, because it's it's often you know like in our culture in many many ways that that extreme overt sexuality is what's been applauded versus mm -hmm. you know the range 
of beautiful sexuality that we might inhabit. So these are the dangers, right? You know, mm-hmm. black girls being sexualized too young, black girls not having options. One of the, my daughter says in the film, like she talks about um, um, having, she's a curve, like she's tiny, but she has, I don't know, that girl has some titties. She really, she has, you know, uh, she'll probably kill me for saying that, I apologize. Um, and she has a little bit of a booty and people just assume things about her and she's right. not been comfortable expressing herself sexually in that way at that age, right? Mm-hmm. But this the pressure. So these are things that have been put on us and we feel, and we don't even, so I wanted the film to talk about that. And mm-hmm. so that, I mean, I'm, and I'm hoping that young girls and, and women will understand that, no, 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 no. Like, you know, you can, you can express yourself in these ways truly to reflect who you are and not, these narratives that mm-hmm. get perpetuated year after year again and again but in different forms you know you know it's in plays like you said in Caribbean plays believe me I've seen it you know in TV shows in movies you know just one last thing about that well not one last thing but I remember watching a show where they cast and I won't say what the show was but they cast three individuals and Two of them were white and one of them was black and the black lady was the heavy set woman and i thought oh so you have three opportunities and you know <laughs> you know and so and then the black one she has to be the heavy set one why is that you know now again i am heavy set so i have no problems with that you know in in, in its own on its own right but i'm just saying that There are reasons why this kind of thing or this kind of casting is um, happening. And we have to really look at that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so anyways, that's all my thoughts about it. No, I I love it because it kind of answered one of my questions, um, but I'll still ask it because um, the film just feels like it's a a culmination of so much. And that's probably one of my favorite things about it because you, it takes the audience through history, dissecting the racial stereotypes forced on Black women for years, and it even tackles like the modern issues we face today. So black fishing, um, you know, people appropriating the looks that our looks, our features, all of that. And it's just, I'm so, I was curious of like, what went into the planning into kind of like telling that story? Or, because like you said, it sounds like it sounds like you did set out to capture so much of this and like get people to understand of like, this is how society sees us and this is how it affects us. And this is the result. <laughs> but I wanted to hear your thoughts on like what went into that planning and like, you know, crafting that story. Yeah. Well, I have to say that I am a real big fan of Ava DuVernay and um, she did a film called The 13th, which I think you all saw. And mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of films about um, the prison industrial complex and I've read a lot about the prison industrial complex. And of course, you know, when we, we have daughters and I, and I think on one level, I was like, oh my God, I, you know, I would love sons, but I'm afraid to have sons because I don't, they, I, I won't have to see them in prison. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, mm-hmm. so but what she did with that film was she actually took us back also to look at the root cause of mm-hmm. where this was coming from. Right. So, because I think part of being black is 
constantly being told what you see and feel is not real. Racism ain't real, it's in your head. Um, black, black men being targeted in a way that's unjust, that's not real. It's they, what were they doing? Why were they wearing that thing? Um, you, know, you know, why did they, why did they buy a lottery ticket? Like, you know, it, it's, you're constantly being told it's not real, it's in your head. And so I want, so looking, when Ava did that film, I thought she brilliantly expressed where this, the, the, the root of the prison industrial complex to where it is now. Right. And so for black women though, I thought, well, for women, it's not economic and even um, physical prowess that we're, we're dealing with. We're dealing mm -hmm. with beauty because as you know, girls, women are judged upon their beauty. And I believe that beauty is power. Everybody knows this, right? So if you're outside of the standards of beauty, that means that you have, you're not afforded the, the power of beauty, right? So that said, that was to me, it was a power dynamic that I wanted to explore. And then I thought, how do I explore this power dynamic and show, um, show that A, it's, it's not just like, oh my God, it's just a pageant, but it is in fact about power. Mm -hmm. And then when you don't have that power, how you're unprotected. So because that's the framework that I was coming from, I felt like I had to go back and really pinpoint the places where these narratives were developed and looked at why, the reasons behind, why do they need the mammy? Well, if you're raping all the black women and you, you don't wanna um, take responsibility or even don't even perceive that it's rape, then really, the, then, then you say, well, no, actually there are these, there are these fat, jolly, warm, developing women that you'd never want to have sex with versus, and then if you, but if you're caught in the, your hand, the cookie jar, well, it must be those wild sexual deviants that, you know, that um, they just can't get enough sex. In fact, I didn't rape her. She needed to have sex. I had to do that because frankly, that's what they want, you know? And, oh, and when the black woman is now um, angry because of you taking away economic opportunities for her men, um, creating only a very narrow band in which they can also find any kind of fulfillment, you know, as household maids and servants and so forth. And when you do that, and then she has to go home after getting pennies for her labor and is upset or angry, oh no, she is this angry black woman who is the cause and destruction of her community. So. You, I really wanted to delve into this to show that all that beauty and power, these stereotypes were created to rip apart and take away our power, take mm -hmm. away because they, 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 um, they, uh, they chomp at, uh, you know, our notions of beauty. And so what I wanted to also say, and I hope I did too, was that, um, these young black women, you know, they have come to a place where they understand that their beauty is powerful. They understand who they are and they're actually comfortable and, and feel blessed to be in the skin they're in, you know, but there's a journey because of these narratives, because of these stereotypes that we have, we had to go through to get there. Mm. 
And going from that, could you talk a bit about getting these young women to be a part of your documentary and also the other guests because you've had you had doctors, you had um, um, you had people like um, Brittany Daniel, who is a, a critic and you had like, and people who study this and could you just talk a bit about getting your cast together and also shooting at a, a pageant because I just think, as I said, um, I think it's so interesting that, that you use a beauty pageant to be the setting for this because it takes place almost exclusively in this setting and for these young women I, th I thought it was an interesting just just position where in the rehearsal hall you have these young women being so open with each other and they're sharing these extremely hurtful experiences that they went through because of things that people said and did to them but then they're also putting themselves on show on stage like they're getting ready to bear another side of themselves to, to the people in the audiences at the at the pageant so could you just tell me about using a pageant as your setting for that and getting your um your cast and uh, together for for these discussions well so here's the thing you know i thought oh my god when i came across the miss black america pageant and um you know and so you know some people know about it but some people don't um i was so impressed and pleased to, to really understand that that pageant was created as a power as a political statement it it just wasn't something that just sprung up black mm -hmm. women had historically been um there was a rule rule number seven that said black women couldn't be on national beauty stages and back in the 50s and 60s and certainly before then beauty pageants were the thing it defined you it it was about like that was what a woman was now imagine that this defined the perfect woman the woman that everybody wanted to be and black women were not allowed and so and even though they had changed the laws like by the time the 50s rolled around by the 60s end of the 60s there had been no black women on a beauty pageant stage so then imagine 1968, they had the Miss America pageant where the ultimate protest of the objectification of women, this happens on the same night and on the, across the street from the protest saying black women are beautiful and they should be celebrated for their beauty. So it was like crazy to me. So that was what um, made me think this was a good vehicle to show um to to show what was what had gone on and what was what was continuing and so that that was what had gone on but the continuing part was as as god is great um 2018 was the 50th anniversary of the miss black america pageant and i thought oh my god i have to go there and so i go i get you know i, I talked to um uh the the you know the andersons and uh, you know who run the pageant and they they give me permission and i and i go to kansas city and uh i never been to a pageant i'd never been a pageant girl i've never thought about it really to be honest and I, and I even had maybe a little bit of disdain like really you know we can you know um not really but you know like it wasn't an important thing to me and i go there and i see the camaraderie I see the support, I see the kindness. And then I thought, wow. So I really wanted to capture that. 
and I, and I hope I did, I feel like I, I did, but that was the thing that was really powerful to me that these black women, they were helping each other, even Soraya, who I love, adore, adore Soraya, um, you know, uh, she wore, you know, sneakers and, you know, uh, trainers, most of her, you know, she was not like heels. She did not know to walk in heels. And the, the young, you know, the other young lady took her under their wings. And, and even the, the place where you saw, um, 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 they sing Lauren, Lauren Hill, they sing that, you know, Lauren Hill song. Mm -hmm. It was completely impromptu. They were just, they were like, they'd worked hard. They, they had to train in heels. I mean, girl, I was like, mm. they had to dance the whole, they were doing their routine in heels the whole time. You know, I was like, you ladies, you are amazing. And so they were all kind of lying down on the, on the floor. And then one of them starts to harmonize. And next thing you know, they're all singing. And I was just like, this is what happens when black, when sisters get together, you know? And I really wanted to show that. And so, so that was really, um, and then in terms of just getting them to talk to me, you know, like I, I think in many ways, I just, I, they're young women and I have three daughters and I actually thought um, they, I felt very much like, oh, I'm here and I wanna protect you and I wanna, and I wanna show you in all your beauty. And I just was honest about that. And, um, and that, I think that honesty, they came back at me with their own truth. You know, and I love the fact that we, as you know, I'm a stranger to them, essentially, we could have, we could bond because we had a common story. We had a com we had common experiences and, and, and they wanted to share that. And, and the thing is that they wanted to share that because they wanted to have this conversation out in the open. They, you know, it's like, you know, for the longest time, our conversations are amongst the, within the black community. Um, I told some white friends, I'm like, you don't know how much we talk about you people. We talk about you people all the time. Or it's like, oh my God, this white, did you see this? Oh my God. Like, you know, so I'm like, we, we do. And so let's, 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 have this conversation where you now you can understand and then we can have this conversation and then some of this behavior has to stop so these narratives have to stop and they're not going to stop unless we are have it open and in a way that people can see the full story so going off of adding to the question so i have to ask this one question because this mo one moment in the documentary did catch me by surprise <laughs> When Rachel Dolezal showed up, and I think I understand why she's there, but I, 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 it was just like one of the burning questions. If I got to, if we got to interview you, I'd be like, I just have to know why was she there? I know, I know. I know. And here's the thing, you know, I, I thought, so Rachel Dolezal's story came up maybe just a little bit before I was mm -hmm. so 2018. Um, I think there was a Netflix documentary that was going to come about, and I really wanted to talk to her because I felt, in my history as a black woman, I had mm -hmm. never come across a situation where a white woman had pretended to be a black woman for a decade. And here's the thing: Rachel represents the standard to many ex to, to to many extent, you know, um, to much extent, I should say. Um, blonde hair, green eyes, you know, mm -hmm. and even I remember her younger photos, all those freckles, which I remember like was like, that's the, like the Laura Ingalls, 
like kind of, you don't know who Laura Ingalls is probably, uh, but <laughs> it was the Little House on the Prairie. And it was like, it was this, it was this image of this cute, lovely, little blonde girl that you protect. And so she had that and she wanted to be a black woman so much that she gave up, quote unquote, that white privilege, that protection that is afforded to white women that have not historically been to black women to be a black woman, albeit a black woman at the highest caste in our communities, unfortunately. But so I just thought, I'm looking at black and white women. I'm looking at the fact that black women have not and and are not the 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 the, the, the typical standard and should never like and and you know and we should not be wanting that standard. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at that. And so then, I, and I'm talking about what the standard is and here's somebody who is that standard saying, no, 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 I, I wanna be black. And to me, that's a question that had to be answered and had to be discussed. And I also felt when I met with her, I felt I understood why she wanted to be black. I felt I understood because it's, it's, it's the women in the pageant you know, singing together and talking and liming and, you know, and being open and all of these things, all outside of our physical beauty, our heart and all the stuff we bring to life and into our communities and, you know, our passion, our, our, our social justice, um, unwavering social justice um, um, activities and, and, and beliefs and, you know, seeing people for who they are, these are some of the things I attribute to being a black female. And mm -hmm. I, I'm like, I know why she would want that, but here's the thing. I feel like, um, obviously she went about it the wrong way. Um, you know, um, you know, because you, 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 you were not born a black woman. Um, and, and that's a dishonesty that actually goes against some of what we believe in and mm -hmm. so um so but i just felt it was too important to, to a, a conversation um to to not include in in, in 2022 or 2021 2022 and you know some of the scene um to not have that conversation mm -hmm. I, I just especially i just didn't it did that did not seem fulsome enough. Like, you know, I, I felt like we needed to understand that. But, and last but not least, I understand why black women, I think I've said this before, I understand why black women are angry, right? Because mm -hmm. um, it feels like something is being taken from us yet again. But here's the thing. Why I could why are so many other people so mad? Why are they? And I think it's because she's right in that she walked away or 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 abandoned you know white supremacy the white privilege she stepped away from that to some extent and and i think for some white folks that is crushing because they have valued um whiteness you know um in a in a way that um that, that 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 doesn't reconcile a Rachel Dolezal, and I just mm -hmm. felt like you know what I had to um, I had to explore that.
Yeah. Mm. And I do appreciate you exploring it because like, well, I was just like, why is she here? Like that was my first, like my face was just, why is she here? <laughs> but as the film does go on, it does make more sense. Cause like you said, like the film is called Subjects of Desire. And like, as you, you know, and I hope the audience also takes this away. What I took away from it is like, we as black women are seen as desirable in different ways that desirable uh, that desirability can be in a romantic sense that can be in a self-acceptance sense that can even, but that sometimes that desirability can come to, you know, an appropriation. Um, and I took that away as like, she is kind of a prime example of the people who want to have our features and be us and it's just like yeah I see why she's here now <laughs> so I do appreciate your explanation and like diving into that conversation deeper because I'm just like I was just like I, I just have to ask but you know I, I think it with I think it makes the more sense like it makes more sense even like the second time watching it through mm -hmm. so well we're gonna get we're gonna wrap up now but I think what I want just to go on from that a little bit but one of the things that like as Nisha said she is a prime example of cultural appropriation and I would also say um identity in the fact like when I like I like people know me know that I watch a lot of like Korean dramas and I particularly listen to a lot of k-pop and when you do listen to k-pop when you watch k-pop like you see black cultural appropriation and it's not only black i wouldn't say not necessarily not only american uh, cultural appropriation because the thing is is like black music black american music is is such an amalgamation of of black music of black um cultures from around the world you have caribbean you have um south african you have black you have afro-latina influences in this music and when i do watch these kind of these and i watch these music videos and i watch and i watch them and i'm like and i see them do things like wear braids and try to talk black and try to use AAVE. And they, it's just like, you see us as, like, we use the term monolith a lot, but they they don't, I, I wanna ask one of them like, okay, you're imitating a black person, where's this black person that you're imitating from? Right? And, and like, for someone like Richard Dozal, I'm like, okay, you want black culture, but what part of black culture? Like, like you know, is it like black Caribbean culture? Is it like black South, is it like black, southern culture is it like black north you know what i mean like black culture where and like one of the things was like she didn't necessarily escape her privilege because she was still would have been seen as a light-skinned black woman okay. well, I, I, that itself comes with a very particular type of privilege too so i'm like lady you trying to you trying to get you trying to win with both ends of the stick like well come on like you trying to have your king and eat it too no absolutely i i completely agree with you that that the like i said she enters the black space at the, the, the level that we value the, at one of the highest. The pro that problem though is us, that's on us. Because at the end of the day, we should not be valuing any part of our community at a higher level beyond mm -hmm. what you have accomplished. What have you contributed? What have you done to get that value? And it shouldn't be because your parents were either, your grandparents or your great-grandparents were either raped by or that there was a, a relationship with a white person in your family. And all mm -hmm. of that is fine and good. And, you know, families are made up so much. And even like the Amer African-American experience, even more so than the Caribbean experience, there was a lot of rape too. Um, but those experiences have, have given us like, you know, all the different hues that make us up and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I'm not one to say that you can't fall in love with anybody like at the, at the end of the day. Right? right but i do have a problem with 
the the fetishization in some ways that we have mm -hmm. with lighter complected black women in particular. Um, and so, because then when someone like uh, a Rachel Dolezal enters that space, they enter that space with, with a greater power. And, and you know, look, there's statistics that I didn't put in there about oh, the fact that if you are lighter complected, you're more likely to get married, all these kinds of stuff, things, why? These are our problems. So, you know, at some point, Rachel Dolezal is Rachel Dolezal and she, she has to figure out, you know, the world knows that she is in fact not a black woman, but that mm -hmm. she loves blackness and wants to be a part of it. And some people make that space for her. But what we have to actually ask ourselves is why, why have we created this space that that's more valued? We've got to look at that. And I hope that's one of the things that, so I hope that people don't just focus on Rachel Dolezal, but they actually, right. they, they see her for what she is, which is, is for us to say here, look, like this woman wants to be us. So like, you know, and she's not the only one. And that's a more, more extreme version of what we've seen for appropriation, but that's what all of this means. But mm -hmm. from, from our side, who are we? What are we doing to um, change these narratives? Um, how are we intersecting? You know, I, I truly don't, I can't get with this notion that we pretend that our choices are, because it's my preference or it's my, it's my, you know, it's my, but all of these, we can pretend that these are not a part of these narratives that have shaped us. That, and that actually, in actual fact, these are choices that you're making. You're making that choice and pretending like, I, I you know, that's my type, that's my type, please. Yes, maybe it, it's, a, it's a certain, it's a, a certain, but why is your type not a good, decent, you know, beautiful person um, versus a good, decent, beautiful person who is always a light-skinned person? Right. So these are some of the things that we have to actually ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. I agree. I definitely agree. And I think your film does a great job of just like, like I said, it is provocative. It is thought provoking. And I hope a lot of people take that away. Um, to close us out, I do just have one last question. Um, what is the, what is, and I guess you can describe it in one word or one sentence. What is the feeling that you want people to walk away with after seeing this film? Oh gosh, that's a good one. Um, I think the feeling I want people to walk away with is that I didn't see the connections to these narratives and I need to have a conversation. I also need to check how I, I see things. I have to check how I in, engage with black women. I have mm -hmm. to really understand that like that black woman that you might think is so powerful or so threatening, uh, you know, like some of that stuff is, is, is actually made up. I want people to have to walk away thinking I need to like really think very deeply about my perceptions and, and, you know, and what does, and you talk about allyship now, you know, well, how do I be an ally with black women? 
that's that you know that's that's some you know and look, hmm. that's you know and i think and that's part of the feeling is like wow i didn't i didn't know this i didn't see this and now i see it and i'm gonna i'm gonna act accordingly because i see it now i don't know if that makes any sense it does i think it does um and with that this has been a lovely discussion Thank you so much for coming on our show. Would love to have you back anytime. Me and Carolyn have an open door policy. So you are welcome back anytime. Um, I hope our listeners, if you have the opportunity to watch Subjects of Desire, um, y'all don't hesitate. Please watch this film. It's very important. And I I will scream from the mountaintops, go watch it. Like if you need more convincing, go read my review, go read anything Carolyn's put out about it. Like I feel like we've both been very adamant about people watching this, but um, Jennifer is, um, if you want to tell people where they can follow you, if you want to be followed, feel free to plug <laughs> your socials. <laughs> I always make sure to add that on there because some people just be like, no, nah, don't follow me nowhere. I know, I know. Can I give it to you? Because um, Selena, mm -hmm. who is my my social media guru, she's like a young student who like, no, she's a, she's a young, she's not a student. She is a young social media guru. She's actually fantastic. She's like, Jen, you are sad. You need to do this. So now I have like a, I have a Twitter feed. I have an Instagram feed. We got a, we got a subjects of desire feed. So I'm going to let her send you the stuff. And if you could key it on somewhere yeah. or, or share it, that would be great because I'm going to screw it up. Yes, we will definitely, <laughs> we can definitely include that in the notes on the, okay. on the episode post and in the show notes. But with okay. that, um, I'm Lanisha, y'all, y'all know where y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nisha Plays, that's N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S. -S. And hmm. Carolyn, if you want to tell the people where they can find you. Uh, everyone, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12. That's C-A-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2. You can find me on Twitter using the Saturday Night Sci-Fi hashtags, as well as Dramas with Carries, which I, where I do live tweets for my favorite Asian dramas. And you can find this, like this video will be on my new YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines. And this will be part of the, this will be in the interviews channel. So you can find it there. And this has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for speaking with us, Jennifer. And this is, a, I think it's an important discussion that not only we needed to have, but also that we, the women in the black community need to have too, because we do need to learn how to reaffirm ourselves and keep reaffirming ourselves. And I'm so glad you had India Ari um, in the video. Yes. Cause like 20 set out 2001, 20 years this year, like in yeah, we really did that thing and video still holds true today. And, um, you can find also my interviews that I did with African American Film Critics Association. You can find those videos on the YouTube channel, as well as Afton.com site. And we've been doing a whole bunch of other interviews with like the cast of Delilah. We did, um, exterminate all the brutes uh <laughs> um we, we did coming to america recently we did we did gangs of harlem starring forrest whitaker like that's an amazing series we've done with the cast of oh my gosh we have so much things but anywho yes we've done a lot <laughs> i'm trying to remember this so much but anywho, thank you so much for talking with us and we're gonna sign out here everyone please be safe thank you again jennifer you yeah, and your yeah. three lovely daughters stay safe as well yes and everyone stay safe Okay, take care. Bye. Bye.